It's written by a, a man called Paul to a chap called Timothy at a place called Ephesus, instructing him how to lead a church and how to lead it well, how, what to look out for and what to put in place. We're now up to chapter 5. I'm in verse 17 onwards. When Paul, who is the lead elder of the church, when he's back, he's going to be picking up the subject of widows. So I've left that to him. Today we're going to be looking at the subject of elders. So it's going to come up on the screen behind me. Chapter 5, verse 17 to 25. I'll read it along. Stay with me. This is Paul writing. The elders who direct the affairs of the church are worthy of double honour, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. Don't entertain an accusation against an elder unless it's brought by two or three witnesses. Those who sin, talking about elders, are to be rebuked publicly so that others may take warning. I charge you, Timothy, in sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and do nothing out of favouritism. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands and don't share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, I need, I need you. We need you. We need grace. I pray, would you give me grace this morning? Would you give us grace this morning? Would we have ears that are open, hearts that are receptive, minds that can be changed? But God, I just pray, would you come and wash over us this morning in Jesus' name? Amen. This morning I want to talk to you about elders and I'm going to draw it from this few verses here. Just to say, as way of introduction, I am not an elder. Okay? I am one of the pastoral leaders of the church, but I'm not an elder. That's not the office that I currently function in. The office that I function in, use the office, is as a deacon. Okay? If we want to get biblical, I'm a deacon here. And deacons serve elders. We currently have one elder. We had a team of elders. That's what we're trying to look for. But I'm a deacon, and I'm part of a deacon team that serves our brilliant elder. So I think with that in mind, it gives me a lot of freedom to speak into eldership this morning because I'm going to take it principles from the Bible and help teach us. I want to look at four questions or headings I'm going to hang everything on. It's going to go like this. What is an elder? What do elders do? How should we treat them? And what is the impact on our lives? So firstly, what is an elder? For some of you here, you might be really, really familiar with the term elder. You might know, you might just be like, no, sorry, Sam, I've ticked that box, we can move on. For others, you might be, do you know what, I have no idea. It just sounds like a bit of a religious word or a cultish word. But for some of you even, you're kind of in the middle. Yeah, I know, but I don't know. For, so for the purpose of all of us, what is an elder? Well... In the Bible we have different terms or names to describe the same role or the same office, the same fu function. We have overseer, pastor, shepherd, bishop, elder. These words are used interchangeably, it seems, in Scripture to describe the same office. Now an elder is a man. Now already when I say that you might have to take a sharp intake of breath. I'm not going there this morning, just so you know. 
with the words of men and women, with the words of men and women, with the role of men and women, because partway through the series, a few sessions ago, Paul spoke brilliantly on the roles of men and women and what we believe biblically here. We're a church that has biblical convictions and we would say, I believe that the office of elder is male. If you want to find out more, please go back. Go back to the beginning of the series and you'll, you'll find out some of our reasons why. An elder is a male chosen and called. What I mean is picked out by God to lead his church. So what doesn't happen is a voting system. Let's see who's good. Let's just roll some guys together. Let's see who's the best around. And then we'll just... All, all in favour? All, all to the left, say aye. You don't need to say aye. I'm just... That's not how it happens. In Acts 20:28, 20, Paul is writing to the Ephesian elders and he says, take care of all the flock whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. There's a commission, there's a calling out. An elder is not only a man that's chosen, but he's also a man that's gifted. So it's not, let's just see who has a crack at this. It's a man that God has clearly gifted. In Ephesians 4.11 it says it was he, talking about the risen, ascended Christ. It was he who gave. He gave gifts to his church. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, pastors. It was he who gave pastors. So Jesus builds his church and he is known as the chief shepherd. I love that term, don't you? I love the the thought of Jesus being the chief shepherd, the loving good shepherd. But what he does is he chooses men to act as under-shepherds to act as under-shepherds. Jesus builds, it says clearly in Scripture, I will build my church. So we can, we can rest, my friends, that it's not us slaving away, just, oh, if we don't get these blocks in the right places, Jesus' promise is, I will build my church. So whether I'm here, whether you're here, he's going to build this thing. He's going to do it. But what he does is he picks out called and gifted men and he uses them as under-shepherds to say, do you know what? I want you to help me build, and I want you to lead my local churches. So an elder is not just chosen and gifted, but he's also qualified, and we see some qualifications here. Again, I'm not going to labour on it, because Paul did this in terms of qualifications earlier in the series, and it says, here's a trustworthy saying, earlier in 1 Timothy chapter 3, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer or an elder, desires a noble task. Now, the overseer must be above reproach. He must be the husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle. He's not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he manage the church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders, so that he will not fall into the trap. So there's some key qualifications there. So he's not just called out, picked out, gifted, if his character is rubbish, then it completely disqualifies him. 
In verse 22, it says, Do not be hasty on the laying on of hands, what we've just read. There's a commissioning that takes place. So when Paul and the other elders that have been here as a church, when they were elderized, people laid hands on them. There was a transfer. God works through people. There's a commissioning. People come in and lay hands and say, In the name of God, you are an elder, whatever they say. Do a little jig. I'm not sure what else, but there's something about the laying on of hands. But Paul says, don't be hasty. Don't be too hasty. This doesn't mean let's play it safe. Let's just play it safe. Let's just hold the front. What he's saying is let's play it cautiously. Let's be wise. Because if they're a recent convert or if they're someone whose character isn't quite up to scratch, then it could just go horribly wrong horribly wrong. So many people ask, why isn't such and such an elder? What about this person or this person? Do you know what can give you security? We're waiting on God. We're not under man's vote. We're under the King of Heaven calling and equipping men. Okay? So you can rest secure, my friends, that God isn't looking down going, oh my goodness, there's only one elder at Hastings. Oh, Quick, Gabriel, send some angels. Go help guard. No, this is all in his timing. This is all part of his master plan because he's perfecting us. He's doing something in us. So we don't do it in haste. Otherwise, things need to be undone. And you hear stories where people have just been elderized too quickly and it's all gone horribly badly. An elder must be a man of courage. It's easy in our day and age and our culture to say, it wasn't on my shift. (laughs) That's not my bad. Don't blame me. That wasn't my fault. That was Adrian. He did it. No, seriously, it was Adrian. He did it. (laughs) An elder understands that the buck stops with them. Men, you need to hear this. The, the buck stops with us anyway. But an elder is someone that goes, I'll take it on the chin. I'll put my chest back, shoulders back. I'll stand up and I'll say, on my watch, it was my bad. I will take it on the chin. PJ Smythe, a great church leader, he writes this, eldership is an exposed position requiring men of courage to man that position. That stand and man it. That no matter what goes on, I am going to man this position. I want to honour Paul before us. Many of you will know Paul. Some of you here might not have a clue who Paul is. He's, he's on holiday at the moment. He's our elder here. He's been through a tough season, yet he still stands and he's manning his position. That's why when Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes to Timothy, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. We can so easily skip through this. If you set your, men, if you set your heart on being an overseer, if you feel God has called you into this, you are setting your heart on a noble task. Eldership is a noble task. It's difficult. Not that I know, but I see. It's a difficult task. That's why men need to be courageous fearless, strong, 
There's a guy called John Wimber, brilliant church leader as well, and he wrote this. He's a quote. My, my father-in-law often reminds me of it. He says, becoming a church leader is like volunteering to be ugly. And it's so true. Because you're effectively saying, here I am, I'm the ugly one that made that decision that no one likes and no one is happy with. So volunteering to be a church leader is like just saying, pick me, I'm the ugly one. I'm the one that's going to get the shot. I'm the one that's going to take the blame. So an elder is a man called, gifted, picked out, not by man's vote, but by God, to lead God's people into mission. That's why they deserve double honour. That's what they are in a nutshell. What do elders do? Verse 17, it says, Elders direct the affairs of the church. Elders that direct well the affairs of the church. The leadership role for an elder is the governing or the governance, or the oversight of the entire church. So for some of us here, we're responsible for areas, and you're just passionate about your area. The thing that is a challenge for an elder is he's holding everything in tension. He's overseeing the whole caboodle. It's a good term for a church, a caboodle. To govern, to oversee, to guard, to guide, to lead. Now let's go, let's move forward. Acts 20.28 20, says, keep watch over yourself and all the flock. So it's no good just keeping watch of yourself and your team. It's saying, all the flock, all the flock. In what way should an elder direct or govern? Now these are in no particular order. So this is all under the, the heading, what do they do? No particular order, but I'm starting with this one. To be humble, humbly serve. They are to humbly serve God's people. It's servant leadership, guys. Servant leadership. It's not a lording it over people. But in Scripture we have a great principle. The Lord Jesus himself, the the great shepherd, the king of heaven, he's our model. And the principle in Scripture says our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, Do you know what? He didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. Taking on the very form of a servant, and he humbled himself. And then what else did he do? He became obedient. Wow. And then what else did he do? He became obedient to death. Oh my goodness, really? Yeah, and even death on a cross. That's what Jesus did as the chief shepherd He humbly serves us, day and night. He's continuing to humbly serve you, love you, without measure, like Ali said earlier, grace without limit. So an elder's attitude is to be the same. Jesus came to serve and not be served. And he laid down his life as a ransom for for us, for many. Another thing, by casting vision. So not only acting humbly, but casting vision, setting the course. PJ Smythe again writes, elders set the tone and pace for everything that happens in their local church. You know, Jesus said to his earliest followers, when he'd risen from the dead and he appears to them, he says, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of Father, Son and Holy Spirit. 
There's a commissioning that went on. And this was their commission. Preach the kingdom. Preach the gospel. Heal the sick. Cast out demons. Raise the dead. That's our mandate, church. And it wasn't until I went to a conference that this guy called John Arnott said, that was their beginner's manual. Yet we seem... we're, We're the other side of the cross. We have the same mandate to preach the good news of Jesus to those that are broken, to those that don't know him. That's the vision. To heal the sick, that's our vision. So when we're praying for Alan, it's not like, oh, is this what we should... It's absolutely what we should be doing. Praying for the sick. Seeing people that are oppressed and addicted, broken, set free in Jesus' name. That's our vision. One day the dead will be raised. So the elders set the course, set the tone, set the vision. What are we going to do? What's our strategy? And what does it take to get there? An elder leads people into mission, helps the sheep go for more sheep. That's what we are. You're very good looking sheep, but you're sheep. I'm a sheep. You can bear. I heard some of you doing that. It's all right. We're secure. We're sheep that are secure. But what he says to us is, go and get more. Go and get more sheep. Some of them are caught in hedges. And some of them are lonely and isolated. Go and get more. An elder's role is to continue to say to us, we're not getting comfortable. Go and get more. Go and get more sheep. Another way that elders govern is through prayer. Jesus said, my house should be a house of prayer. This is God's house. We are God's temple. We are God's household. And we're to be a house of prayer. Now, prayer can seem like an obvious thing you think I'm going to say. But actually, unless the elders or elder has it completely imbibed within, unless they model something, unless they value it above most things, unless they say prayer is the most important thing we can do, because it's our dialogue, it's our connection, like Judy said earlier. We can know him. We can have a relationship with him. The elders set the scene. They make us a house of prayer. We're not just a house of attraction to come and sing a few songs. If you want to come and sing some songs, you can do it at home. And probably sing better in your own company. With all due respect, I sing brilliantly on my own. But when we're together, we're becoming his house of prayer that speak into our Father in heaven. So the elders demonstrate to the church, the rest of the family, what prayer is, and it's truly important for us. Another way that they govern or oversee is through care. Loving care as those, like I've said, who humbly serve, shepherding, pastoring, loving like Jesus would love. Loving and leading like Jesus would love and lead. Jesus is the model. There's no other way. Loving and leading like Jesus would love and lead. But remember, not perfectly. Please, please hold on to that. We, we bear with each other. Elders are not going to be perfect men. Jesus is perfect in every way. But they're to look to him as the model, as the way. And say, I'm going to imitate the Saviour. So we care for those like Jesus cares 
for those. Also guarding, that's how we govern, that's how elders govern, by guarding. It says, keep watch over the flock. In Acts 20, 29, Paul says to the Ephesians elders, I I know that once I leave, savage wolves are going to come in among you and they're not going to spare the flock. Paul says, I know that once I leave you, there's going to be savage wolves that come in. An area of Paul and elders here is to guard. Some of you don't like that. Some of you feel, do you know what? We should just be a house that's just open to anyone that wants to come. Absolutely. Anyone is welcome. But the Bible clearly says there will be wolves. There will be wolves dressed like sheep that are going to want to come in and have a little nibble and sometimes have a big chomp and other times wipe whole areas of church life out. So an elder's role is to guard, is to stand at the gate and guard. And if a fox or a wolf comes in, they guard the family. Just, I'm a dad, right? And I love my children. And if I, do you think I'd leave my back door open for a wolf just to freely come in? No way. I've got a baseball bat in my house. And if a wolf comes in, he's going to get that on the nose. What I'm not saying is that elders have baseball bats behind the information desk. They give Sue a little wink. I need the, the bat of fellowship, Sue, please. No, no, no. We guard, they guard in love, but they guard. They're looking out for wolves that might come in. This, this is with correction as well. Care done well will at times be corrective. As a father, I correct my children. As a leader here, I am corrected. I work alongside Paul, which is a privilege, and at times he will say to me, Sam, I don't think that was right. And at times my pride gets the better of me, and I say, I disagree. And then when Jesus speaks to me, I say, I think you were right. (laughs) But I need that from a good brother. Someone that's watching over me in the Lord, that will say, I think you're, you're out of line. I think that wasn't handled well. Confrontation, and that's also with guarding. Some people like confrontation, and if you're here and you like it, I would say possibly you're a bit odd, because I don't think you should like confrontation. I think it's a very needed thing, but if you actually like confrontation, may God's grace be with you. But on the back of guarding, what elders do is they guide. They guide the church from error and along the path of God's ways, his truth. Guiding people in the purposes and the plans of God. Helping people trust, follow and obey scripture. This is our highest authority. What elders do are going to say, the only counsel we can give you, Paul speaking, is the word of God. Is the word of God. Also, elders will say, we need to be continually open receptive and dependent on the Holy Spirit. That's what good elders would do. Guide you with the word and remind you you need to be empowered through the spirit. Teaching, it says in 1 Timothy, elders must be able to teach. Teach the ways and the instructions and the truths of God. It's going to be different settings. So not every elder will be up here. It will be in smaller groups. It will be in men's groups. It will be in all over houses, just able to teach. Fairness. 
Elders need to govern in fairness. And we see this in verse 21. To keep these instructions without partiality and doing nothing out of favouritism. An elder should not show favouritism or partiality. I'm not an elder, but I'm a pastoral leader here. I've got friends here. Very, very close friends. But I mustn't show partiality. What elders need to do is value every member. And if you're here this morning, whether you're sitting right at the back or right at the front, wherever you find yourself, you are equal here. Equally valued. Equally important. So key for the mission at hand. So, so key. There mustn't be favouritism, partiality. And ultimately, to wrap up this point, this is how elders should be. In 1 Peter 5 it says, Be shepherds of the flock, of God's flock, that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but, but by being examples. And when he, the chief shepherd, appears, you will receive a crown of glory that will never fade. When he, the chief shepherd, appears. You waiting for that day? Oh boy, it's going to be a beautiful day. When the chief shepherd appears. Yeah, it's going to be cool. You don't look that happy about it. It's going to be cool. It's going to be cool. It's going to be amazing when the chief shepherd appears. An elder oversees the flock of God. Point three, how should we treat elders? Now this is probably a shorter one, but we need to take note of this. We live in a society that's allergic, I think, to authority. We kind of have the mentality of like, oh, that makes me come out in a rash. That kind of allergic reaction. We don't like authority. We live in an individualistic and, quite frankly, rebellious culture. Do you agree? I think we do. And I think the reason is, is because authority has been abused and it's been handled really badly. If I want my family to follow me, I've got, to lo- I've got to come from underneath them. I've got to lead them. I've got to lay my life down for them. That's good authority. People that will say, your best interests. What are your best interests? What are our best interests? So God looks at authority very different. Elders are those with spiritual authority over this house. So how should we treat them? In verse 17, it says, with double honour. And I've really, honestly, over the weeks, just going, double honour. Double honour, is that me? Do I do that double honour? Or do I just tip my cap to it? Double honour. What does this honour look like? Firstly, in the text here, we see what seems to allude to financially. I want to be careful here, and I don't want to major on this, but it says in verse 18, for the scripture says, don't muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain. They've, they've worked hard. It's... it's Speaking from Deuteronomy 25, when the landowner is alluding to, as, as the ox tramples the grain, let him enjoy it. Don't muzzle him. Don't muzzle the poor thing. He's worked hard just for your grain. Let him enjoy some of that grain that he's just been trampling, treading on. In the same way, workers deserve their wages. Elders work jolly hard. This is why I say it brings me freedom to say this. I work with Paul. He does not switch off. He works jolly hard. And the workers deserve their wages. Like I said, I'm not talking about people rolling up in Porsches. I'm not talking about prosperity gospel. 
That means some people get it all and others don't. If you've just got faith and some people seem to kind of make this empire, no. I'm just saying we honour them with our pockets. We say, I want to make it worthwhile. I want to make your job easy. I want for you to be able to provide for your family. There's this guy called Mark Driscoll and he really pushes the point. He says for his elders, he pays them brilliantly well. Because he he takes a line, if I want monkeys, if I don't want monkeys, I won't pay peanuts. That's that's his words. He will say, if you you pay peanuts, you will get monkeys. Now, I know I'm pushing this, but I think he's he's provoking us to think, because you can have this mentality, like a Stoic-style poverty spirit at times, that's like, no, no, no. Being humble means they just need to walk around in robes and tatty and and actually they'll get the scraps actually. I don't think that's honouring them. I think we need to honour them because they work jolly hard for the Lord. Honour is also expressed with a few things I've got here. Prayer. It's biblical to pray for those in authority. We see that in the Bible. It says to pray for kings and and all those in authority. And I've stretched it maybe but I think... Those in authority, that's elders. And I would say family, friends, Romans, countrymen. Let's pray. Let's pray for for our elders, for our elder, for those in authority. I think we honour them that way. It says that when we're praying, we can't curse. When you're lifting someone up in prayer, you just pray blessing on them. Another way, and also pray that it will go well that they would heal well from God, that they would be encouraged by God, that they would catch vision from God. Not just supportive prayer, but directional. Pray that God speaks. Another way to honour is encouragement. I don't think in England we're great at encouragement. Do you remember when Julian Adams came here and he said, we've got to get better at encouragement? I think something stayed with me from then, just thinking, no, it challenges me, actually. I want to get better at encouraging people. I'm just saying, no, I'm not saying just to stroke them on the back, but I'm saying, do you know what? I love you, man. And I love the way you do that. You're so good at doing that. You really care for people. Whatever it might be, we have had overwhelming encouragement, me and my family, from you as a family, over the years. Sometimes little cards, text messages, phone calls, anything we can do to help. Wonderful. You guys are rocking, I tell you. We can honour with our actions and practical support. We can honour with our attitudes, our thoughts, our motives, our attitudes. This is a challenge. What are our hearts like towards our elder, the elders in the past? We need to honour with our attitudes. Honour with our words. Speak well of. Don't run down. Don't get caught up in gossip. Don't get caught up slandering or speaking badly. We mustn't think that elders are immune to the things that we find difficult. We're the same. We're all the same. I'm the same as Paul. What hurts me hurts him. But at times, I've heard some horrible things and I just think, oh man, I really hope they never hear that. Hurtful comments, harsh criticism, gossip, slander, accusation. It's hurtful. Verse 19, don't entertain an accusation against an elder unless it's brought by two or three. It's not saying elders are above it. It's just saying don't flippantly chuck it around willy-nilly. 
Don't just flippantly chuck accusations around. That's why Paul says to the elders, be above reproach. Don't even get caught in the firing line. Be above reproach. We honour our elders by obeying them. And this is what we don't like, submission, submitting. In Hebrews it says, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Why? Why? Because they keep watch over you as men that must keep an account. Verse 20 it says, there's a but here. Elders that sin are to be rebuked publicly. I don't want to skip around this. It says very clearly, this shows us that elders are not machines. They are people like the rest of us who can easily make mistakes. But the danger for them is when they get it badly wrong, they are reprimanded before the whole church, before the whole family. That's why accusations aren't to be batted around. So it says in Thessalonians, now, we ask you brothers to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work and live at peace with each other. The last point, and I'm going to go quickly through this. What's the impact on us? Well, from PJ Smythe, I got this quote. A church that honours God's gifts, honours God, and experiences God's ongoing favour. Elders are gifts from God. And I think there's a principle there that if we honour God's gifts, which are elders, we will receive favour from God. Healthy elders usually equates to a healthy church. In Hebrews 13, it says, Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For what advantage to us will that be? So it's never to our our advantage to have elders that are burdened and stressed. Never. What usually will happen is if we have elders that are burdened and stressed, we'll have a whole church that are burdened and stressed. But if we have elders that serve the Lord joyfully, and if we can help, we will serve him joyfully. You ever been there where you just feel, "Mm, they're a bit edgy? You pick it up, don't you? We're like sponges. Nice sponges, but sponges. If we have happy, healthy elders, I think we can have a happy, healthy church. Also, a church without an elder or elders is like a boat without a rudder. It will come off course. You see, churches without leaders, they soon come adrift. Elders are like the rudder that keeps that boat going. Good elders bring security because they are over us in the Lord. It says they watch over us, like I've said. That should bring security. They must give an account. That should bring security. We are shepherded and cared for. That should bring security. Last week I wasn't here, but I heard Paul was brilliant. I heard his preach on family was great. And because we're a family, that's how we do it. It's God's household. Like any other caring family, when you have a good, loving, caring dad, usually, okay, usually, your family would be loving and caring. I want to finish with this. Elders help with maturity and our spiritual development. In Ephesians 4 it says, it was he who gave some to be a list of things, apostles, prophets, evangelists and pastors. And the the, the whole purpose was to prepare God's people for works of service so that the whole body may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and the knowledge of the Son of God who became 
mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So I take this to say, look, elders will help us reach potential, reach our potential, our maturity. They'll help us find our place. This was certainly true for me. When I first came here, a few years in, a guy who used to be an elder here, Matt Beanie, he said to me, we used to do these zone meetings, and he said, why don't you come and just share your story? And I was like, not on your Nelly. Never. But he saw something in me. And he said, no, I think God's called you for something. And he's, he came alongside and he was the one that developed me and stood by me and nurtured me. That's what elders do. Not necessarily one-to-one, but often in training, in teams, in strategies, in ministry. I'm going to summarise with this. What is an elder? A man called and gifted. What do they do? They love and lead like Jesus. How should we treat them? With double honour. What is the impact for us? Health, security and maturity. Listen to this quote. A church by PJ Smythe. A church can operate without a building. Do you believe that? A church can operate without a building, without tea. Oh, without tea. Without a, without a manner of ministries, but it cannot operate without elders. Without these leaders of leaders, we will not be able to set the sustained pace of world mission. You can't have healthy, vibrant churches without healthy, vibrant elders. Whatever is embodied in the elders will be embodied in the body. God intends elders to be teams of men radically dedicated to Jesus, the local church and world mission. They are explosively dangerous men as far as the devil is concerned. Amen? Can you stand with me? We're going to pray. This is what I'd love us to do though. We've got an elder at the moment who's doing a fantastic job. He'd kick me if he was here saying this, but he's doing a great job. I'd like us to commit ourselves to pray for him, Chloe and the family, encourage them where we can, support them where we can, hold them in high regard, speak well of them and curb any negative chatter. Currently, like I've said, we've got one elder. Our heart's desire, part of a leadership team, we want to see and we believe it's God's heart that we have a team of elders. Amen? That's what we're looking to God for, that we have a team that are ready to carry the load, carry the church together. Let's pray for more elders to be raised up here and be sure that as we see happy, healthy, vibrant, dynamic elders, we are going to go on such a wonderful adventure in God together. You up for that? Cool, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your gifts to us. I thank you for elders. I thank you that we've had brilliant elders here over the years. Men that love you with their whole hearts and men that love us with their whole hearts. And I just pray, would you bless our elder? Would you bless us as a church? We ask for more elders to be raised up here in Jesus' name because we want to go on an incredible, vibrant, cool adventure with you, Lord Jesus, for the sake of Hastings and beyond. In Jesus' good name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Have a great afternoon and a great rest of Sunday. If you're a church member, before you leave this morning, please go to the information desk because you have a letter waiting for you. For everyone else, God bless you and see you next week.